The Office of Management and Budget never wants to go through a policy house cleaning like it did over the last 18 months. OMB not only updated nearly every major IT policy, but rescinded dozens of others that grew stale and no longer offered any value. In his weekly feature of The Reporter's Notebook, executive editor Jason Miller writes about OMB's plans to take a page out of the Agile software development playbook and create an Agile policy-making process. And Jason joins me now with details. Hey, Jason. Hey, Jared. And so we've obviously talked a lot about agile software development. The The federal policymaking process, almost by design, is not agile. So so what's OMB doing to, to bring some of that spirit into policy? It almost sounds like when you talk about agile policy, is that really an oxymoron when it comes to the federal government, mm-hmm. right? The agile policy? But what the Office of Management and Budget, and specifically the federal CIO's office, Suzette Kent, is trying to do, and it's really spreading to other areas, including DOD and the Homeland Security Department, is say, let's create a framework and then build an implementation plan around that framework. The framework can be that that agile piece, broad, but understanding of concepts, while the implementation is what you get down and dirty. And that also can be changed when appropriate, when necessary. And like with agile software development, where you take a little chunk and you iterate and you take a little chunk of the software and you iterate, the same thing can be done to get to that final policy piece that again is broad enough that addresses specific areas, but also but also down into the weeds enough that says, you know, gives agencies enough to go on and, and go forward with. I think this is a really fascinating idea and a fascinating concept, but at the same time, they have to be careful. So there's a balancing act here. Yeah, and it, it gets to an almost existential question, right? Because, I mean, is, is policy really policy if it's if it's changing every couple months to suit the needs of a particular agency? That's a fair question. And it's one I think OMB is obviously going to ask themselves and ask other agencies. And I don't think that they want to change the policy every few months, but they do want to have an ability to go back and say, okay, after six months, after a year, what's this policy doing? Is it the right policy? Do we need to update it? I think it's the implementation guidance that may change more often, especially when you talk about things like cybersecurity and technology, where you have changes that have come more often. If you think about something like cybersecurity, a new threat, you know, six months ago, Jared, or a year ago, ransomware was not something we were talking a lot about. And now that's considered the biggest threat to agency networks and to really the private sector. Uh, you know, six months, you know, twelve months ago, eighteen months ago, supply chain risks was not an, an issue that a lot of agencies were talking about. Again, now that's another one of those areas that's a big risk. So, can you address the implementation piece to say, okay, as you are buying this type of hardware or software, this is needs to be changed? And in fact, the Homeland Security Department had took this approach with the binding operational directive around patching systems. At one point, they said, okay, patch your systems for for critical assets within. 30 days. Now they step back and said, okay, look, agencies have done it, but the threats are still increasing. Now patch not just the, the critical, but the high value within 15 days. And that's and they did that bod within a year and updated it. And I think that's a great example. And that's what Jeanette Manfra, the Assistant Secretary for Cybersecurity at DHS, told me as a great example for this, this concept of agile policy making. Okay, and so it, it, even if what's actually in flux is is just the implementation steps and not necessarily the underlying policy objectives, what, what's what's kind of the thinking around how often is too often? Be, be, because one of the important things it would seem to me is that you leave things in place long enough that they are broadly understood across the federal community. 
that's exactly the, the biggest probably challenge with this concept of agile policymaking. You don't want to change so often that agencies are always playing catch up. And at the same time, you can't leave them like some of these other policies we saw with the trusted internet connections that took more than 12 years to update you with identity management and credentialing and access management that took, you know, five, six, seven years to update. That just is too long. So how do you find that happy medium? And I, I think that that's why when, when you talk about policymaking, you're looking at something that's broad enough, but not too prescriptive, but prescriptive enough that's not too broad. <laughs> that's why I said it's a balancing act. And in fact, Jack Wilmer, the deputy CIO for cybersecurity and chief information security officer for DOD, actually talked about this at this recent uh, CISA, the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency at Homeland Security Department's National Cybersecurity Summit event. And he actually said that let's get the right set of people together, assess the risk, and then look at those results and go, okay, does this work for us? How is this a good approach? And if so, let's go with it. Otherwise, let's modify it and, and then continue along. And I think it's that having the right people piece, and that includes industry, it includes academia, and it includes other experts inside government, bring those folks together. And they, you know, so you have this, again, it's very similar to the iterative approach for software development. You always have a team together that's looking at it and then moving it forward and looking at the risks and looking at the capabilities and looking at, at what what the goals you want to accomplish. Talking with Federal News Network's Jason Miller. And, and Jason, you also write in your notebook item on this that, that there's kind of an effort underway to export these agile methodologies, not just to the policymaking process, but also to broader areas of government reform. So what, what's that actually look like? This is an initiative from the IBM Center for the Business of Government and NAPA, the National Academy for Public Administration. And together, they're looking at ways to say, what if we could have an agile government? Again, sounds like another oxymoron here, but what if you could really move forward to say, as we go down this effort of reform, as we relook at uh, how to make government more responsive to citizens and how to you know spend money in a better way, could we bring in these in, these principles of identify instances of agile government? Really, what are some of the best practices? You know, kind of collaborate with other you know state, local, you know foreign governments that are going down this path, and and that's what really NAPA and the IBM Center for the Business of Government are trying to do. And Terry Gurton, who's the president and CEO of NAPA, said to me, listen, the change that we're trying to make is be more proactive rather than reactive, which is very similar to cybersecurity. We hear that all the time. And she said part of the reason why agencies have to go down that path is is that it's too much regulations. It's too much expectation from citizens who say, well, why can't I do this or why can't I do this in my personal life but not with my public life? And I think that's part of the issue. And then – as we've seen that the complexities of the challenges that government is facing, it's not like commerce is on its, its own island and interior is on its own island and agriculture is on its own island. There is this cross-agency intergovernmental effort that you requires, and we hear this all the time, but so you'll forgive me, probably a little bit of buzzword bingo here, Jared, the whole of government approach. And I think that's driving agencies to be a little bit more, to consider this agile approach. Uh, I think NAPA and the IBM Center for the Business of Government will be having more on this in, later this fall, so it's something to watch out for. All right. In our last minute or so here, Jason, uh, the end of the fiscal year just uh, just happened yesterday, a time of the year when we always see a, kind of a flurry of contracting activity, including some recently around IT by the Defense Health Agency and the Army. What's going on there? Well, first of all, we have to wish all our listeners Happy New Year, right? Indeed. It's, it's not That's just right. the it's not just the new year for uh, those of the Jewish faith, but it's also the fiscal new year. So it's doubly exciting. Uh, one of the things that we should point out, too, is that the Army 
and uh, the Defense Health Agency both took major steps toward this idea of enterprise IT as a service or managed IT services. First, the Army awarded three contracts under what they call an OTA, Other Transaction Agreements, uh, one to AT&T, one to Verizon, and one to Microsoft to pilot this effort. And basically their goal is it's a fixed price fixed price set of contracts that to install contractor operated networks on small, medium and large size bases around the country. Uh, this is very interesting. This is very similar to what the Air Force is doing. Uh, they're a little further ahead. In fact, uh, Bill Marion, the Air Force's deputy CIO, said at a recent conference that, that that he expects their enterprise IT as a service pilot to pick up a lot of steam in the next month or so. So we'll see more from the Air Force. And again, we'll go back to speaking of the Air Force. They actually just gave Microsoft a $45 million modification to a previously awarded contract to really continue this effort around Wi-Fi, public cellular connectivity, base network transformation, and a whole bunch of other things across the three bases that they're working on under that OTA. And then finally, the Defense Health Agency, they put out a request for information on RFI. Now, their RFI does not specifically mention this kind of as-a-service construct, but they do. But what they're asking for really fits into that model. They're looking for like IT operations support and lifecycle management, IT asset planning and management, and even help desk services and user device support and local area network administration. So there's this big push across DOD to really stop managing, stop owning, stop really running their own networks, their own infrastructure, and really outsource it all out. And I think that's these are significant changes happening across DOD, and, and the, the contract awards and the RFI are just some of those examples. Jason Miller is executive editor here at Federal News Network. Thanks a lot, Jason. My pleasure, Jared. And you can read more in this week's edition of the Reporter's Notebook at federalnewsnetwork.com. Everything's getting more expensive these days. Gas, rent, and even your music. While other music services keep jacking up their prices, Live One is letting you lock in the best music membership at the best price. Live One Plus is just $3.99 per month. Get all your favorite music ad-free, along with unlimited skips and maximum audio quality. Beat inflation with the best deal in music at just $3.99 per month. Visit liveone.com slash best music to get Live One Plus now. <coughs> Cough and cold season is here. Introducing Ricola Max Throat Care, Ricola's most powerful drop yet. It's the best of Swiss nature wrapped around a powerful liquid menthol center for maximum relief from your worst cough and sore throat. Maximum nature for maximum relief. Try the new Ricola Max now, available in the cold and cough aisle. Ricola. It's in our nature. <laughs> 